going on everybody it's your boy big cat it has been a while since i had the time to sit down and talk to you i need you guys to forgive me right now because if you hear all this background noise it is because i am currently limping through my house trying to um get my gross space together and clean some things up but you guys know what time it is man it's growing loud time like i said it's been a while i've had a couple different things pop up uh, some of it in terms of growing, some of it personal, and I had to attend to all of it because business, first pleasure, second. Um, so, that being said, I've gotten some things back on track, at least enough for me to be able to do this, which I thoroughly enjoy, and give you guys something which you might be able to use, man. You know, um, if I can find my notebook, I can do a quick recap of some of the things that we've talked about, but if my memory serves me correctly, which most of the time it does not, um, I think we talked, oh, here it is, my notebook. All right, so let's flip through this real quick. We talked about setting up your growth space. We talked about, um, let me see, the seed of life. We talked about, what else did we talk about? Damn, is this still seeds? Yes, these are still seed notes. Um, let me see. Shit, I guess that's all I really got to. Um, might have touched on entry number four. I believe I did. I started working on my entry five, which is for veg. Um, which is actually perfect timing. We right on time with this one because I actually just decided to do a new soil mix. Um, for those of you who may have listened and followed me prior to this. Um, I was using Great Lakes Water Only, um, made by the Detroit Nutrient Company. Great soil. I loved it. I did not switch because I was displeased. I switched because this option that I'm taking now gets me, it's more efficient for me. So I decided to switch to a cocoa mix, Cocoa core or whatever the hell they, however you pronounce it. But the uh, basically dry coconut husk. It retains water very well. It, it, it works really well. for Even for new growers. If, you, if you're first time, if you've never grown before, you can use cocoa. Um, it ain't going to hurt. Worst case scenario, you grow with cocoa and you get a mediocre subpar plant because you didn't put any nutrients in it. Cocoa does not have any nutrients in it already. So everything the plant needs, you have to add. Also, I found out via some research that um, cow mag is very important. Cow mag, it helps with nutrient uptake and the plant being able to process and use said nutrients that you're putting in this cocoa. I get a little more in depth. When I get a little bit more of an understanding of all the nutrients and exactly how they work as far as plants the way the plant uses it i will give you guys a uh a podcast on that as well but for the meantime between time if you use cocoa remember add cow mag do your research research re- research 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 excuse me um if you have any questions that i haven't answered for you go check out nebula hayes a uh, little grow tutorial a whole blog on on online it's uh growweedeasy.com that's g-r-o-w W-E-E-D-E-A-S-Y dot com. 
anything that you have questions to, if I might say something that sparks another question in the back of your mind, it's a good chance that answer might be on that website. So check it out. I told y'all before, that's where I started at. So that's where I recommend y'all start at if you have any questions that I didn't answer, especially if you're not going to ask me. You can catch them on Instagram. Her, excuse me. You can catch her on Instagram, too. She has an Instagram page. And Instagram comes with pictures and questions. And, hey, have any growers ever done this? So it's really, I suggest following her on Instagram as well because you'll get advice and tips from other people who grow as well that simply come by, stop, and comment on her page about their experiences with growing. So it helps. So read. Always read. Um... Let me see. I want to send a special. I really do want to thank y'all, man. For the people who that have listened up to this point, the people that listened even when I wasn't recording anything because I had shit going on. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I do this shit for y'all. And, you know, I would say I wish I had somebody who did this for me when I started out growing. But, nah, man, I ain't going to lie. I took all the fun out of researching it for me. I think that's why I find it so enjoyable now. I spent so much, I spent about a year and a half doing research before I even got my first equipment to do my first grow. So it was um, very, very, uh, it was rewarding for me. I learned a lot. So, you know, sometimes not having all the information at your fingertips and having to go dig is beneficial. Sometimes convenience is preferred. So that's that. But um, I'm going to go ahead and roll into entry number five. This one is called vegging out, like I said, and I actually have three plants that are currently in veg that I can use for visual aid on my Instagram. So y'all know how to do this, man. Y'all know how this goes. Go find me on my Instagram. Follow me on my Instagram at Big Cats Growing Loud. Okay, that's at Big Cats B I G C A T S underscore g-r-o-w-i-n underscore l-o-u-d that's big cats growing loud um shit without further ado we're gonna roll right into this man we're gonna talk about what we got to talk about today i'm gonna get this shit to y'all today so that y'all can do what y'all need to do with it for future references so stick around for segment two all right y'all segment two we're talking about stage two of life, the veg stage. If y'all remember from previous episodes, stage one would be your seedling stage. That is where you germinate your seeds. You wait for the taproot to show. You drop them into whatever growing medium that you choose to use. If y'all know me, y'all know I use soil and just recently switched to cocoa. Um, you let them grow. You use this time to... Weed out the ones that might not make it, the ones that don't do what they're supposed to do. And then, you know, once you see rapid growth above ground, i.e. above dirt level, then you know that you are on to stage two, which is veg. If you don't know shit about growing weed, let me tell you this. Stage two, a.k.a. the veg stage, is where you get... All of your chance. That's your vertical growth. That's what I call it. Vertical in air quotes, because if you train your plant, it might not necessarily grow up. But that's neither here nor there. We're not going to talk about that right now. All you need to know is during your veg stage, that's when you get the uh, 
height and length on your plant, height, length, and width. You know what I'm saying? However you decide to train it, if you're growing it outdoors and you let it go natural, you know, it's going to shoot up. You got it indoors. It's going to shoot up unless you train it. You top it. You super crop it. You LST. You do all that stuff. Then, boom, you're good to go. Um, during your veg growth, you want to make sure that you have a couple things. Obviously, you need pots because you can't grow shit if you ain't got pots in it, especially if you're doing dirt. Hydro, another story. Um, you need nutrients because at the end of the day, the plant, plants got to eat just like you got to eat. It just uh, doesn't eat the same way you eat. You got um, If you choose to do training during your veg, now is the time to do it if you want to train. I don't recommend training during flowering phase because at that point, your plant is putting majority of its time, effort, and attention into producing buds. So what you don't want to do is create a situation where the plant has to repair itself while it's trying to produce buds. It's not going to do it's not going to do very well. You'll short yourself in the long run. Your harvest won't be as good and you run the risk of potentially losing branches in the process if you're not careful. So training. If all your training comes in the veg growth. Most of your training comes in the veg growth. Um, in addition to all that, ample lighting. Marijuana is a photo period plant. If you've listened to some of my earlier episodes, you remember that, which means that it, does, it flowers based off of the amount of light it gets or does not get. Or, more accurately when it comes to marijuana, it flowers based off of the amount of uninterrupted darkness it receives. There's a difference. Trust me. Um, outside of that, your lights, your pots, quality soil... Uh, training methods and nutrients, you have extra things. For, for example, I have CO2 in my tents. I put CO2 in my tents to promote rapid vegetative growth and healthy growth in my flowering phase. Um, those are what I consider extras. You don't need CO2, but CO2 is beneficial, especially if you have enclosed grow spaces. Now, a grow room not so much, because in a grow room, you can put a fan on one end, a fan on the other end, have an intake and an exhaust, and then you get fresh air circulation that way. Um, when you circulate the air like that, it also moves carbon dioxide to the plants, so the plants can use it. It removes the oxygen and moves it around. It does all that good stuff. Um, so speaking of fans, I also have a fan in my tent. I only have a fan in my flower tent. Um... And that is to help with heat dispersion. It gets a little toasty in that tent sometimes because I have uh, two lights in there. It's a four by four tent, about six, maybe six and a half feet tall. But I have one 700 watt LED in there and I have one 315 watt CMH uh, light in there. So sometimes it gets a little hot. So I have like a desk fan that I clipped to the bars at the top of my tent. And I use that to blow the air around, move the air around inside the tent. And I also use it if I crack my tent because it's extremely hot in there. I'll aim it at the crack and it'll blow all my hot air out. I like to keep my heat in the tent because light, heat, light, CO2, it's important when it comes to photosynthesis. But there's a, um, there's a, uh. The upper threshold limit, if that makes sense. So at some point, you have so much CO2 in there that some of it's not being used. So um, that's why in my veg tent, I don't have a fan. I keep the heat a little higher. 
um, because I have three three bottles of CO two. I make my CO two at home also. Sugar, yeast, dry sugar, dry active yeast, and hot water. I put it in a two liter bottle. I shake it up and I shake it every day until it doesn't fizz when I take the top off, and that's when I replace it. Um, what other gadgets do I have? I have a three in one meter that tests pH light dispersion and uh moisture in my soil um as far as nutrients go i was using dynagro i switched over to a liquid nutrient that comes in the a and b format that was supposedly specifically for cocoa so what i'm gonna do is um i have two peanut butter breath clones that in about a week i'm gonna transplant to the three gallon homes and one of them, I'm going to use my cocoa A and B mix to water with for the full cycle of its grow life. The other one, I'm going to use my Dynagro mixes, and I'm going to see which one performs better. So that'll be interesting. Um, thermostats, you know, just to check the temperature in your t- the the heat the the amount of temperature in your tent. Um, what else? Uh, if you large scale with it, you can grab your CO2 meters, you can grab, um, dang, there was just something on the tip of my tongue that I was going to say and I forgot, uh, blah, 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 must not have been that important then. Um, what else? Things that might not, you might not think about when it comes to growing, um, trellis nets, that's what they use for their sea of green method. Um, plant ties, stakes, things of that nature, because depending on the size of your plant and how you train them, you may run into an issue where your buds become so dense that it starts to make the plant droop. So having ties, plant ties, I use the Velcro ones so they don't cut into the plant. Having things like that is invaluable. You don't know you need it until you need it and you don't have it. So I strongly recommend you grab a pack. I grabbed a pack of, uh, bamboo sticks i believe i got it from home depot when i first started growing but they were probably about two feet long so what i did some of them i cut in half and some of them i left full length and i will stick those around the edges of the pots that are in flower and i will use those to support the weight of the branches so that the branches don't bend and snap um what else i mean when it comes to the extras some of it is personal preference because as far as the extras, like they're not, all of them aren't necessities. You don't necessarily need to put CO2 in your tent. You don't necessarily need a thermometer in your tent. But things like that help. When it comes to setting up a grow space so that you can grow your cannabis, whether it be medicinal or recreational, depending on where you live at, some things are necessities, some things are not. For example, I live in Michigan. I might need a way to heat the inside of my tents in the wintertime, whereas somebody who might be down south or in Southern California area might not necessarily have that problem because their wintertime temperatures don't drop as low as mine. That's what I mean when I say extras might not necessarily be a necessity. So keep that in mind when you grow. Um, don't take me as the end all be all. I am not the the authority on all things marijuana. So like I say every other time, do your research. You never know what you need until you figure out how you're trying to set your growth space up and what you're trying to do. So just keep that in mind, y'all. Um, 
that being said, we gonna switch over. We gonna break it things down in a little more detail. And segment three, we gonna talk about the lights. All right, man. So uh, we about to roll into segment three real quick, and we are gonna talk about some light. So with cannabis, marijuana, the green ganja, you, you, it's a photoperiod plant, which means based off of the length of the day, or in marijuana's case, the length of the night, uninterrupted darkness, I should say, um, that is what determines the, that, that's what helps the plant determine when it's supposed to flower. Okay, so with marijuana, marijuana is a long night plant. Which means that when you have 12 hours or more of uninterrupted darkness, that means pitch black, it will flower. You will get the buds. It will do what it's supposed to do. Or if you happen to have a male plant, it will grow the pollen sacs. And then it will continue on through the life cycle of itself. Um, when you have light, you can use different kinds of lights. All right. Um, for me... I realized very early on that light doesn't matter, but it does matter. Okay. And y'all might be like, oh, this motherfucker done lost his mind. No, it made sense to me. Um, and hopefully I can make it make sense to you too. Light doesn't matter because you can grow marijuana damn near under any kind of light. Uh, the first time I grew weed, I grew it under a fluorescent bulb. Fluorescent light. Um, I think... I had like a four-bulb unit or a six-bulb unit or something like that. Um, it did well. It was a hydro grow. Uh, that was mistake number one. I should have did soil. But um, that's neither here nor there. Mistake number two was using those fluorescent lights. Now, the weed was good. Unfortunately, the majority of my plants were male. Um, so I didn't get to enjoy a whole lot. But considering the fact that I grew weed and that was the first time I had done it, and I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I was satisfied. I was happy with with the outcome. Okay. Um, after that, I didn't grow weed for a couple years. Uh, maybe after my first grow, it was probably about four or five years in between when I picked it up again. And um, the second time around, I decided to use LED lights. I never used HPS. I never used... Um, MH, like I, I didn't use either one of those. I didn't have a, one of those high. I didn't have any lights with ballast, nothing. Like I was the basics, the bare bones. Um, so I went from fluorescence to LEDs. My LED light came from Mars Hydro. I noticed the difference between that and my fluorescent immediately. Um, it, based off the color alone, you know, it was some things that it was just kind of like, eh, but I digress. If I get too far into it, I'll ramble. On and on and on and on. So um, I had a fluorescent light. I had an LED light. Just recently, I've added CMH to the mix. And they all perform different. If I had to rank them, I would say out of the three, fluoros would be the bottom fluorescence. So fluorescence would be three. I would put my LED at two and my CMH at one. Um, the only reason I do that is because I noticed bigger and faster growth using a CMH bulb, but I noticed that the LED produced quality flower when it was in the flowering tent. 
So when I say one and two, that's a close one and two, a real close. I actually, as it stands right now, I have a CMH and a LED in my flower tent just for that reason alone. So um, when you're picking your lights, especially if you're growing in a tent like me, you have to keep in mind that the light will generate heat. Okay, that fluorescent light bulb I told you guys about generates next to nothing. You can have that thing maybe three to five inches from your plants and it won't burn them. You don't have to worry about heat stress. LEDs, they run cool, but they will warm your tent up, especially if for some reason you have fans built into your LED light and one of those fans happens to stop working. Doesn't necessarily mean the light is going to fail. But you just you're just going to generate a little more heat. So heat in an enclosed space can be detrimental for marijuana when it reaches high temperatures, high temperatures being 90 and above. Um, when you. When you grow this stuff. OK, along with heat, you have to keep in mind the cost of it. LEDs are very cost efficient, very cost efficient. CMH bulbs are not that bad either. Um, but between the two, I believe it, I believe based off of my utility bill that the LED lights definitely pull less power than the CMH. And I say that because at one point I had two LED lights running for, um, well, one was on 24 hours. The other one was only on for 11 so two LED lights, one 400 watt, one 700 watt running for that amount of time during the day, I noticed a bigger bill spike when I took one of those LEDs out and added a CMH to the mix. I noticed a spike. So definitely they, they pull a little more power than the LEDs, but they put out a little better quality. They put out a little better quantity than the LEDs. Okay. Um, when you use your lights at the beginning of when I started off this segment, I told you that marijuana is a photo period plant. Okay. So you have to keep in mind that when you have a photo period plant, you're going to have to put it on some type of light schedule, right? Because during the phases of growth, because as you know, we're working in the vegetative phase, your marijuana plants in the vegetative phase should be getting at least 16 hours of light a day, at least, okay? Now, you might be like, hey, but I thought if it was flowering, you only needed 12 hours of uninterrupted darkness. That's true. So when I say 16 hours of light a day, that means that those 16 hours do not have to come all at one time. They should just to make things convenient for you. But I have seen growers where they have the lights on for... Six hours off for one hour, on for six hours, off for one hour, on for three and a half hours, off, on for two and a half hours, something like that. Some some variation of on, off, on, off to get you 16 hours a day, 18 hours a day of light, okay? I don't do that shit. That, that sounds like a lot of work. So I have my lights hooked up to a light timer. My light timer in my flowering tent, which... I'm not even going to talk about that because we're not working out that one. I have my light hooked up to a light timer in my veg tent, but I override the light timer by just powering on the switch because my light stays on 24 hours. Okay. At least 16. Obviously, you can't get no higher than 24 hours a day. So somewhere between 16 to 24 hours a day of light 
and your plants will grow. Not only will they grow, they will, they will grow big. And if the rest of your environment and setup is correct, they will grow fast and they will grow healthy. Okay. Um, obviously, when it comes to light, it don't get more natural than the sun. However, lately in my searches, I have come across light bulbs that closely, very closely mimic the uh, light spectrum given off by the sun. And then somebody took the time to go a little deeper into it and generate a light bulb that gives off of gives off the uh, spectrum that marijuana plants enjoy the most. So um, when it comes to lights, you can't go wrong with a CMH. You can't go wrong with an LED. I have two CMH 315s. I have two LEDs, one 400 water, one 700 watt. I love every one of my lights, partially because they give me good weed. The other part is because I haven't had any issues with them since I've gotten them. Okay. Um, I'm going to wrap that shit up for lights. Lights, all of this stuff for the veg phase, you can go on and on and on and on about, but I'm not going to. I'm going to touch on the basics. I'm going to keep it simple. And that being said, I'm rolling to segment four. Segment four is all about your pots and your soil. Segment four, your pots and your soil. I'm not going to lie to y'all. This is probably my favorite part about growing weed. I was one of them little kids who ain't had no problem playing in the dirt back in the day. Send me outside in my good shoes. I'm coming back in looking like I done had them bitches for the last six months. I wore them every day for 25 hours a day. That was me. So pl- getting dirty when I'm working with this weed shit, that's nothing to me. All right. So when I tell you I've gone through soil and I didn't have my hands in a couple different types of bags of dirt to try to figure out what to do with this shit, I mean it. All right. So pots and soil. First thing we're going to talk about is these pots in terms of your pots. All right. Size equals space. Right. So if you have a one gallon pot, your one gallon pot is not going to take up as much space as your three gallon pot, which won't take up as much space as your five, your seven, your 10, your 15, your 25, etc. Right. That makes sense. On that same note, because size equals space, a larger pot size equals a larger plant. Why? Because the plant has room to grow. That's basically you ha- it has room to grow. So when it when you put it in the dirt, the roots grow down, the roots grow out, the plant grows up. One rule of thumb is as long as you maintain root growth, you will maintain vertical growth above ground. So whatever is going on below the soil should be happening above, so to speak. Right. Um, but you also got to keep in mind too this. If you have a larger pot, you will get a larger plant, but you're also going to use more soil. So is it worth it? You know, maybe you can maybe you can do a bunch of one gallon pots or two gallon pots, and that might be sufficient for you. And you might be able to get away with buying a couple bags of dirt or, you know, making your own soil blend and having it last you for a while. Or you could drop them in a 10 gallon pot, maybe do two 10 gallon pots. You might have to do two bags of soil, but you know, those plants, those are going to be some big ass plants, you know, think one foot per gallon, at least when I'm working in my tents, that's the ratio I seem to get for every gallon of pot I have, I end up with a foot of plant. Okay. 
I don't, that doesn't necessarily mean that I end up with a ton of weight because there's things to play factor into the size of the bud other than the pot, a lot more than the pot does, I should say. But um, it's bigger might not always be better, especially when it comes to this, this grow game. It's like, just because you got a big pot, don't mean it's going to be good. Just because you got a big plant, don't mean it's going to be good. Just because you got a big plant, don't mean it's going to be better than this little tiny plant I got. It's 10 gallons, 10 gallon bags of bullshit out there. I'm, I'm just saying. I didn't seen it. I didn't had it. I've grown a plant that was not the best. And it was in a big pot. Just because that shit goes in a big ass pot don't mean nothing. All right. With these pots, my personal preference, and I'm going to say that one more time for the people in the back that couldn't hear it. My personal preference is to go with a pot that allows for air pruning. Why? Because when it air prunes, <laughs> now that I think about it, what I'm about to say sounds absolutely ridiculous and, and it contradicts itself. But when, it, when the roots are able to be air pruned, it stimulates more vigorous growth of the roots. And remember what I said a couple minutes ago. Root growth means vertical growth. Okay. So let's say we have a plant. We put it in a pot. A pot that promotes root growth. Every time the roots grow to the side of the pot, um, they grow out. The light and the air basically kills them. Only what has grown through the pot, which causes the roots to grow in a different direction, searching for nutrients and not light and not oxygen. Okay. So it essentially circles back on itself. But because there's no real walls to the pot to block them, when the roots circle back on themselves, they just grow out the other side of the pot. Think of it almost like pong. It just bounces from one side to the other. It keeps growing out the side of the pot, keeps growing out the side of the pot. As long as you have that going, then boom, your above ground growth is very, fairly nice. Um, to the point where you can have, I actually have a plant right now that's in a one gallon pot. That thing is like three feet tall, four feet tall. So there goes that gallon per foot thing, right? Or foot per gallon thing, right? But that's because I have it in a pot that allows for air pruning. Those radical bags that I talk about, air prune, okay? I started off in plastic pots. I did not like it. I switched to black, the fabric pots. The brand was Black Magic. They were a hell of a lot better than the plastic pots I was using and that five-gallon Homer bucket from Home Depot, okay? From there, I switched to Radical Bag, and the difference between the fabric pot and the Radical Bag majorly was the reusability. Fabric bags are cool. If you're lucky, you can get two or three uses out of them, but after that, let it go. Radical bags, I can wash and reuse. And while I'm sitting here talking to y'all, I am about to burn the shit out of my chicken patties. Oh, saved them. Lucky me. Uh, where was I? Oh, Radical Bag. So, um, I like the Radical Bag. I have no qual I have no issues with the Radical Bag. Um, it grow. It, it holds the medium that you put in it very well. Unless the soil is very fine, you don't really have to worry about it spilling out the sides of the pot. When it comes time to reuse it, wash it, sanitize it, let it air dry, boom, ready for your next grow. 
Um, the only thing I would recommend is if you decided to go with them, because obviously they're the brand that I know. That's what I'm familiar with. I would recommend getting the pot with the handles on it and or getting the pot that has the Velcro segment that you can undo to make for easy transplant. Okay. Now, if you have three gallon pots and you plan on finishing them in a three gallon pot, obviously you don't need the three, you don't need the three gallon pot with the Velcro. But it would be convenient to have those handles on there nonetheless. Okay. Keep that in mind. There are different ways, different, um, what's the word? Different designs when it comes to the fabric pot, especially when you start switching companies. You know, this radical bag, all of their pots are basically the same. They all come with the Velcro option. They all come with handle strap options and they come in tan, they come in white. Boom. There you go. Okay. Um, other companies, I've seen another company who their pots don't look the same, but they perform the same. I've seen a company that has a bed version. So instead of uh, having a bunch of uh, a bunch of five gallon pots or three gallon pots laying around, you might have a four foot by two foot grow bed. Okay. Same concept of the grow bed that it is with these bags. It still allows for air pruning. It's just shaped a little different. Okay. So when it comes to the pots, me, big cat's opinion, as long as them bitches air prune, you're going to win. Okay. Outside of that, it is what it is. Um, soil. Soil is uh, soil, dirt, growing medium. We'll call it growing medium. Okay. Because I started off using dirt. Then I switched to soil. Then uh, I switched soil companies. Let me see. Mm. Let me see. I my first time was miracle Grow. Well, my first soil was miracle Grow. From miracle Grow, I switched to a Colorado-based company called Build-A-Soil. Very good quality soil. Um, you pay for what you get, and you get top quality. I'll put it like that. Um, from Build-A-Soil, I went to Great Lakes Water Only by Detroit Nutrient Company. In my personal opinion, the comparison between Great Lakes Water Only and Detroit Nutrient Company is very similar. I noticed pretty much the same type of, uh, there's a word I'm looking for right now. I noticed the same, some of the same things when I switched from miracle Grow to Build-A-Soil. And then when I switched from miracle Grow to Great Lakes Water Only from Detroit Nutrient Company, I noticed vigorous growth. I noticed immediate almost like i'd use it as a top dress and the day that i top dressed it i noticed within the next 24 to 48 hours immediate difference immediate change the quality of the soil matters a lot if anybody tells you otherwise they're telling you not only a bold-faced fucking lie they don't like you very much okay your soil quality will impact the quality of your bud so if anybody tells you that shit don't matter, they motherfucking lie. Don't listen to them and tell them big cat says so. Um, recently, very recently, as in so recent, I have not had a chance to pot a plant in a full in into my new my new mix. But very recently, I started using um, cocoa cocoa core or whatever the fuck that I don't even know how you pronounce that shit. But the coconut husk, the dry coconut husk, I bought a five kilogram brick 
from HTG Supply for 12 bucks. That thing got me 15 gallons worth of dirt. Medium. I'm going to stop calling it dirt because it's not dirt. They're coconut husk. Okay. There's no dirt in my growing medium at this point. Right now, what I'm doing is using the cocoa core and I mix in some perlite. I mix in some earthworm castings, which for those of you who don't know is worm shit. Um, high in nutrients, by the way, it adds a lot of beneficial things to your growing mix. Okay. The reason I added that, y'all like, why is he playing with shit? The reason I added that is because cocoa core by itself, perlite mixed in with the cocoa core does not add any type of nutrient. Like it's inert. There's nothing in it. It's just a medium to grow your plant. So I could put, put my plant in there and grow it, but there's no nutrients. So there's nothing for the plant to feed on while it's sitting in the cocoa. Okay, so that's what the earthworm castings are for. Um, in addition to that, I got some nutrients that are specific for cocoa core because it lacks some very important things aside from your standard NPK that the plant uses. It also lacks calcium, magnesium. I'm not going to get into that shit right now. I'm just letting you know the difference between what I have now versus what I've been using. In the past, my soil had everything in it, even the miracle Grow, It had nutrients in it. Even though that wasn't the best option, it was better than not having any nutrients at all. I like this option because, um, this option being the cocoa, because it retains water very well. The perlite, when I put that in there, it kind of makes it airy so it doesn't retain the water and it allows... It helps the roots grow a little better. It basically adds, it, it makes it light enough for the roots to push through. It won't get waterlogged. It won't drown. The roots won't be able to not push through because the dirt's too heavy. But then again, we're not using dirt. We're using cocoa. So, um, I like this. I like the way it feels. I like the way it smells. I have it sitting in a giant tub, the cocoa and the perlite. I mix my earthworm castings in by the bag the the grow bag okay so what i'll do is i'll take my three gallon pot i'll put some cocoa in there pour some earthworm castings on top of it pour some more cocoa in there mix it all up with a stick or something and then boom top it off put my plant in good to go um i can't wait to see what happens i actually have two uh i have two plants that i just got my hands on two clones both of them are in veg um peanut butter breath they were clones that I got from a guy up here in Michigan, um, fellow uh, MMP patient, caregiver. And they were, it's actually a strain, I think the, the breeder is Thug Pug Genetics or something like that. Peanut butter breath though, but I can't wait because I got two of them. So one of them I'm going to, both of them are going to go into cocoa. One of them is going to go into cocoa and actually get the cocoa nutrients. The other one is going into cocoa, and I'm actually going to finish giving that. I have some Dynagro liquid nutrients. I'm going to use the rest of the Dynagro to grow one of my cocoa or one of my cocoa peanut butter breasts. The other one is going to be the cocoa nutrients, so I can see which one has the better impact because that'll determine who I decide to go with in the future. Um, enough about that, though. Because uh, if I keep going about the nutrients, I'm going to ruin my segment five and I want to stop and eat these chicken patties real quick. So we're going to cut segment four off right here. 
I'm going to eat. I'm going to come back and hit y'all with segment five. segment five man segment five is all about nutrients um forgive me for the keats sweat sound it's um probably about 1 30 in the morning i'm trying not to wake people up i ain't been able to sleep i'm about to roll up so i figured why not let me uh hit y'all with this next segment real quick um nutrients there's a lot that goes into this part so I'm gonna keep it real brief. I'm gonna keep it basic because I'm gonna keep it a hundred. I don't know everything about these nutrients. So um, as I expand my knowledge when it comes to that, I will give that to you as well. Um, in the meantime, between time, let's talk about the basics. NPK, you got your nitrogen, you got your phosphorus, you got your potassium. Your plant needs that at a minimum. Um, nitrogen promotes growth during veg. Phosphorus promotes growth during flower. Potassium is, uh, think of it like a booster shot type thing. Um, if you're starting off, you're a brand new grower. My recommendation is when you do your research, start there. Um, it, it, that's the building block, you know what I'm saying? Without your NPK in balance as well as other things, you're not going to have a very successful grow. There are more nutrients um, that your plant uses besides this NPK. Um, some of them are macronutrients, some of them are micronutrients. If you ask me what the difference is, I'm going to tell you I don't know. All I know is they all used for something. All right. Um, just like with us, you can have a nutrient deficiency or you can uh, overdose. Um, plants have that same issue. With plants, uh, very much like humans, there are telltale signs. Obviously, if you see somebody foaming at the mouth, eyes rolling in the back of their head, they might be on some shit. If you look at your plant and it's all droopy and blotchy colored and it's not the healthy green that it's supposed to be, it might be some issues. Um, it could be a deprivation, it could be an overdose. There are ways to fix that, be it deprivation or overdose. Um, and it can be handled differently throughout the stages of life. If you catch it in the veg phase, it works a lot better because during veg phase, if you have an, uh, a deficiency of nutrients, you can do what's called a foliar feed, which is basically um, you would dilute your nutrients in a bottle with water, a spray bottle, and you would spray it directly on the leaves. Um, think of it as, uh, if you're familiar with how medicine works, it, a foliar feed would be like an IV bag versus um, feeding regularly by watering and allowing it to take it up through the roots. That would be more like taking prescription pills, if that makes sense. The roots... When you water through the roots, it has to have time to, quote unquote, dissolve and be absorbed and be transported to where it needs to go. That IV trip puts it straight in the bloodstream. Okay. Um, 
on the flip side, if you have an overdose, the only thing you can do is flush with plain water and wait. Um, typically what happens is you'll flush your plants, you'll flush your water, which means just you take plain water um, and you basically pour it in your pot until all that water runoff comes out. You do that a couple times because the idea behind that is the runoff will pull all of the excess nutrients out with it. After you uh, flush and you have all your runoff, um, wait a couple days and then you start feeding again with nutrients, but you do it at like quarter strength or third strength of what the recommended strength is just to make sure that you don't overdose it again as soon as you just flushed it. Okay. The nutrients are tricky. Um, this segment in and of itself can be an entire episode. Uh, at some point I will make it an entire episode, just not right now, because I don't have the knowledge and expertise to talk to you guys about it in depth. So what I will say is do your research, do your research, go online, read, read, read. If you don't do nothing else, read because, um, shit, if you can't read, you can't grow weed. You got to be able to read the directions on the bottles when you're feeding them. If you want me to keep it a hundred with you, um, that's neither here nor there, though, man. Let me uh wrap it up for segment five before I end up with another 15-minute segment. I'm going to roll this blunt real quick, and I'm going to come back and talk to you all about segment six, which is training methods for your plants during veg. All right, y'all. Segment six, training. This is probably my favorite part of growing. I'm not even going to lie to you. You get to be real hands-on with it. Um, and you get to see just how resilient the marijuana plant is. Um, there's two types of training. Well, first of all, let me tell you what it's for. The purpose of training is to, um, make your plant grow basically however you want it to. You can change the physical structure of your plant by training. Okay, now, if you are familiar with how marijuana works and how it looks when it grows, you know that if you just put the seed in the ground and let it do its thing, it'll grow and it'll have that Christmas tree shape to it. That's cool when you're outdoors, not so cool when you're indoors. So training allows you to change that shape. Um, I actually have pictures on my Instagram. Y'all know my Instagram handle. Um, I have pictures on my Instagram of a Gorilla Glue number four. I kept the plant because it looks really good. The structure of it from my training was A1. But the issue is that the, the plant itself hermed on me. Once we get into the flowering segment, um, I'll explain to you what that is in a little more detail. But long story short, um... Let's just say I nicknamed that one Kate. If you get the reference, you're probably a piece of shit like I am. But um, I kept it because of the structure of the training. So I can use it for uh, informational purposes. And also I kept it because I was curious. I've never had a herm plant before. I want to see how it grows and how the overall quality at the end is affected. But. When it comes to training, you have two types. 
you have your low stress and your high stress, okay? Low stress, low stress, I use a combination, okay? I use a little bit of low stress training. Low stress training would imply that obviously the plant does not go through a lot of stress when you do it, um, and it's a very quick recovery from the training. High stress is the opposite. High stress, you run the risk of damaging the plant to the point where it's um, it can't repair itself. Um, you can snap branches off. You can you can cause all sorts of issues, health issues with high stress. But if you do it right, your plant will recover and it will um, increase in size, yield. Um, you can change the shape to effectively have it grow in whatever way you want to. I actually see a guy online. I forgot the uh, forgot his Instagram handle. But this guy trains all his marijuana plants to grow. They only he cuts everything off except the top main the top main flower set. And he trains them to grow. I've seen him do like bonsai style. This shit is cool as fuck. I've seen him loop the plant back on itself and tie it in knots and essentially the shit is sweet. But that's high stress training. Clearly, he's been doing it for a while. That is purely just for fun and looks because, like I said, he cuts off all the branches except for the top one. Um, I would never do that shit. I feel like that's a waste of weed. You're not hearing me talk down about what he does. You're just hearing me say, it wouldn't be me. All that training skill, got to put it to better use than that, personally. But um, I can appreciate what he does because it's enjoyable to look at. Um, if they sold marijuana plants in stores like that, I would buy one and let it sit in my window. I'm not even going to bullshit you. So when I figure out his Instagram handle, if I can get one from him, I'm going to get it. And I'm going to show y'all because that shit is sweet as hell. But back to this training shit. Um, low stress training. Um, you bend your plant. You secure your plant to the sides of your bag. When you secure it, don't use metal. Do not use metal. Do not use fine string. I use Velcro straps. I believe I got these Velcro straps from uh, Home Depot, I think. But um, as like I said, they're Velcro, so they don't cut into the plant. And as the plant grows, if I happen to not catch it before it gets uh, too big for the way I have it tied, those Velcro ties will pop. And allow the plant to continue growing and it won't restrict it to the point where it can cause damage. That's why I use Velcro. You do have plenty of options when it comes to securing your plant for the low stress training. That just happens to be my personal preference. I was also using fabric pots. So having a Velcro tie down to use with fabric pots was very convenient. When I switched from fabric pots to my radical bags... I had to come up with a new way of doing it. So what I started doing was tying the plant down on itself. Um, I don't have any pictures, but um, I'll make a point with the next batch of, the next batch of clones and seeds that I have. I'll make a point to uh, show you what I mean when I say tie it on itself. High stress training. That's where it gets interesting, tricky, and fun. Some of the things for high stress training include topping, super cropping, something called fem, which is fuck I missed. Um, I don't do that. All I do is top and super crop. Um, the reason I train my plants is because I'm growing in a tent. 
So unlike outdoors, I have an overhead space limit. If I just let these plants grow straight up, then they will get too big for the tent and I'll have all sorts of issues. I'll get heat stress, the plants will burn because they're too close to the lights. Um, they'll get too bushy, so plants will block other plants from getting light. All sorts of crazy shit. That's why I do it. So, the first thing I typically do is top my plant. What topping means is you find a node and you cut off above the node. So, basically, you cut right between nodes. So, for example, most things, when they tell you, most articles, if you were to search online, they talk about topping your plant. They say top your plant between node three and four. That is because by the time you have four nodes, your plant is mature enough to handle it. Okay. If you top sooner, I don't know what happens, but you might end up killing your plant because it's not old enough to handle the stress. If you top later, it's not an issue as long as you're not in, in flower. You only top in veg because it creates such stress on the plant that if you do it during flower, you'll drop the quality of your bud and you run the risk of stressing the plant out to the point where it becomes a hermaphrodite. Um, you don't want that. So that's topping. If you top your plant and you combine that with LST, you create additional main colas on your plant. Think of, okay, this is how I explain topping to everybody when it comes to marijuana. If you remember Hercules, when he was fighting the Hydra, every time he cut off one head, you, he had two more grow. Every time you top your marijuana plant, that is a cola. So when you plant your seed, you have a, boom, you got your main shoot, you got one cola. When you top that plant at the third, at the third or fourth node, that one cola becomes two. When you top the next one, that one cola becomes two. So now you have three. If you top the single one, then it splits off and now you have four. Every time you cut, you get two more. So topping can be used to keep your plant low and it can also be used to uh, spread your, your plant out. So it'll grow more bush-like instead of Christmas tree-like, which for indoor growers, that is ideal. Okay. Um, super cropping is a little more complicated. Um, what I will do is make sure I, I have a video on my Instagram of me super cropping one of my plants. Um, but essentially when you super crop, you take your branch and you squeeze that branch between your fingers. You don't want an older one, a thicker one, because if you squeeze it, you'll break it. You want one of your more flexible branches, some of your newer, your, your more newer growth more newer anyway but you want to go for some of the newer growth because it's a little more flexible it's a little more bendable and what you do is you bend it how can i describe super cropping your your marijuana plant is like breaking your arm but the bone doesn't poke out if that makes sense sorry for all the medical related references um, but it's, that's just how it makes sense to me. If you break your arm, but the bone doesn't break the skin, 
that's the equivalent of super cropping as far as how I can explain it, which is why I said I was going to make a video so y'all can see it so it makes sense. Um, but when you super crop, what it does is basically pinch off the flow to that branch temporarily. It's not permanent unless you overdo it. So it'll temporarily decrease or stop flow to that branch, which means it's going to send all of that energy somewhere else. What it also does is trick the plant. It tricks the plant into thinking that its main branch is snapped off. So as a way of recovery, it stimulates growth to all the other branches, especially the ones below the break, to grow up, to compensate. Now, if you do it correctly, by the time the lower branches have grown up to compensate for what you broke, the one that you broke will be recovering too. So what happens is those lower branches grow up to become the same height as that break spot. And then you have a plant where most of the plant is even, like you have an even height bush. Once again, I will take pictures. Um, my Gorilla Glue is a really good example of that. So I'll get in there um, when the lights come on because she's in flower or it is in flower but um when those lights come on i'll make sure i get in there and get some pictures and uh show you the topping method and where i super cropped that and then i'll make sure i get some videos of me topping some of my plants and super cropping the rest of them um i don't use the fin method um i don't see a point to using the fin method if i'm growing indoors using super cropping topping and lst uh low stress training so that's just personal preference there's also something called monster cropping if my memory serves me correctly um monster cropping is when you take a cut from a plant that's already flowering it has buds on it and you root that clone and make it and grow that out what it does is revert all the way back to veg and then continues the growth cycle from veg, and then it goes back into flower. Whole another topic of the conversation. I'm not even positive that that's correct, but um, you know, just another miracle of this uh, wonderful plant. This thing is really durable, you guys. I learned that during my training because I started training as soon as I started growing, and because I didn't exactly know what I was doing, there were times where I overdid it, and the bounce back. Man, the bounce back is ridiculous. If your plants are healthy, when you're training, it might take a day or two tops to recover. And then you it'll pick right back up where it left off at. Sometimes it's a little better than it was before. But um, that's it because, you know, this turned into another 15-minute segment. Training, um, training is an episode in and of itself. I'm just giving you all the basics right now. Um, so, that being said, I'm going to cut this segment short. Uh, when I come back, we're going to be segment seven, final segment, and that's just going to be all your extra stuffs for your girl during veg. So, be back. All right, y'all. Segment seven. This is just the accessories. 
the only accessories I'm going to talk about are the accessories I personally use. That is because there's so many things that you can add to your growth space. It's a, it's a, it's a episode of its own. Y'all done heard me say that a million times uh, over the last hour and some change, two hours, so I ain't going to say it no more. Right. Um, but when it comes to your vegetative phase accessories, there's a couple things that you can use. There's a couple things that can benefit you. There's a couple things that I would not grow without ever again. One of those things is a CO2 supplement, especially if you're in a tent. Okay. Um, because you're indoors, you're in a tent, you might not necessarily be getting a good exchange of air inside unless you happen to have your tent ventilated. I do not because I do not have enough heat in my tent to have to exchange air like that. So because there's no fresh air coming in and going out, I put CO2 in there. What the CO2 does is combine with the light and the heat to promote a more rapid and bushy vegetative growth combined with some of the training methods I spoke about in the last segment it creates it causes your plants to grow very quickly very bushy think of it as a more efficient way to grow in a tent okay um, co2 is co2 just it doesn't matter and without getting too uh, chemically with it it doesn't there's there's only one kind of co2 so, if I happen to be wrong and you're a chemistry major, um, feel free to correct me. Just know ahead of time, I don't care. Um, CO2, you can buy it if you want to. Um, me personally, I, I'm a DIY kind of person. I don't believe in paying, something to do, paying somebody to do something you can do yourself. I don't believe in paying for something that you can make yourself unless it happens to be of a better quality. Call me crazy, but like I said, CO2 is CO2, and I don't really think there's a difference in the quality of CO2. But like I said, if I'm wrong, feel free to correct me. On that note, I am interested. Um, but I say all that to say, uh, my CO2 mix is simply three cups of sugar. Um, let me see. Three cups of sugar, a quarter ounce of active dry yeast, and hot water, and a two-liter bottle. And I put the sugar in first. I put the yeast on top of the sugar. I take the hot water, hot, hot, um, not off the stove, hot. I just run the hot water at my house. Um, my, my hot water tank is also set um, a little hotter than most, so I can run the hot water out of my faucets, and it gets hot enough to dissolve the sugar. Um... So three cups of sugar, a quarter ounce of active dry yeast, and I put that in a two liter bottle. I fill the two liter bottle halfway up, put the top on, shake it, and I take the top off and put it in my tent. Um, because CO2 is heavy, I put it above my plants. So think of it like the CO2 is raining down the top of them. Um, and that's it. Um, I'll take a picture tomorrow and show you guys uh, my CO2 set up in my patch tent. I have three two liter CO2 bottles and I have them in a three by three tent. That's probably about five feet, five and a half feet tall. Um, 
So I see pretty good results from that. I would recommend that if you're in a tent, use it. Um, it oh, excuse me. Um, use it if you're in a tent. If you're not paying for it and you just happen to have sugar and yeast laying around the house, you're not going to lose anything in the deal. Um, the only possible outcome is positive. Unless your bottle falls and breaks your plants and spills yeast and sugar everywhere. That would suck. Um, hopefully it doesn't happen. It hasn't happened to me yet. Knock on wood. But um, it is what it is. Uh, next thing, fans. Now, I only have one fan. One clip desk fan that I use. Um, that little clip fan used to be in my veg tent. I had to take it out and put it in my flower tent because the fan I had in my flower tent took up floor space and my plants was like, nah, fam, this is a plants, plants only standing tent. So I took my fan out of my veg tent and put it in my flower tent because I can clip it. It does absolutely nothing because the heat is very high in there anyway. But, um, the little fan is better than no fan at all. Um, I do have some intake and exhaust fans that I could use. I don't use them. I probably should. I just haven't had a chance to rearrange and reset my grow space to accommodate installing those yet. Um, so I guess since I'm talking about it, I guess I'll go ahead and do that so you can see. Um, but I have one six inch, uh, exhaust fan and one eight inch exhaust fan. Um, because I had two different tent sizes. So what I will do is get those installed at some point and I'll show y'all, but I will take pictures of them so you can see them. Um, thermostat, that's beneficial. I would recommend a digital one, um, just so that you can keep track of the temperature. And if you're going to go digital, I also recommend getting one that has a humidity reader in it as well. So you can get temperature and humidity in one. Um, if you are able to monitor your humidity and keep it at optimum levels during your growth stages, it will be very beneficial. I don't do that, but that's because I don't have the equipment to do it right now. So I don't focus on it. Instead, I just try to pump it with as much CO2 as it can. And the excess CO2 that doesn't get used just gets filtered out and used by other plants in the house. Um, get a get a soil meter too. Um, if you don't feel confident in your ability to check your plants and know when to water them, you can get one that you can stick in the soil that will read your moisture in the soil. But rule of thumb is if you can pick your pot up and it's light, you need to water it um, because you can definitely tell the difference between a freshly fully watered plant, one that has gone through most of that water and one that has not left. Um, but if you want to be sure, better safe than sorry, get a meter. Um, they have three in ones. I have three in one meter. It reads the light. So it tells me how um, what the what the light intensity is in that specific spot. So if I put it in a plant or if I put it in the dirt, 
I know how much light that plant is getting in comparison to the rest of it, the rest of the plants. Um, it also has a moisture meter, so it'll tell you um, how wet or dry the soil is. And it also has a pH reader. I don't know how accurate it is. Um, I should probably balance my pH. I don't. But um, I know it works because I see a difference in the pH between my cocoa mix, um, this organic seed starting potting soil, and my Detroit uh, nutrient company, Great Lakes Water Only. So I know it works. Um, what else do I use? Oh, I have some uh, some trays that I use when I water my plants. So that uh, even though I'm in a tent, it's not like I want water all over the floor. So I got some plastic 12-inch uh, dishes, 14-inch dishes. And I put my pots in those and I water them. And that works well because um, even though I get runoff when I water, I let the uh, runoff, I let the plant sit in the runoff. And what I do is I don't water it as much and I allow it to drink from the roots as opposed to watering it from the top. So sometimes I'll water, like I will water the dirt um, to make sure that it, it get, gets what it needs through the plant. But I might also put water in the tray as well instead of watering from the top in the dirt just just to mix it up. Just in case the, the plant might not, the pot might not necessarily need water but it's a little light and I can tell the plant's thirsty because it's droopy, then I'll water it from the bottom. But after I water it from the bottom, then the next time it gets fed is when I full on water the plant and I pour it through the top. Um, those trays come in handy. Like I said, you don't get water everywhere. Um, it makes for a convenient wood. You can slide them around easy too. Um, they also come with, I guess, spacers that you can uh, put in them so that your plant does not sit in the runoff. Um, I only use them when I'm flushing. Uh, aside from that, I don't use them. Um, I don't really see a point and it takes up, uh, to be honest with you, when, when you're growing in tents, every inch of vertical space counts. So those took away like six inches of space for me and that wasn't, that, that wasn't working for me. So I took them out and um, set them to the side. Maybe I'll use them as frisbees for the dog or something. I don't know. But um, that's that's pretty much it. Um, this segment was just about getting it set up for your uh, your veg, some of the things you need, the the importance of those things. Um, what I I haven't decided what the next uh, entry is going to be, whether it's going to be your basic setup for flour or whether we're going to really get in depth about this veg thing. But um, either way it goes, I'll think about it while I'm getting this one published. I'm going to publish this one and work on the episode for the next one. And I promise y'all it's going to come soon. Uh, once again, if you've made it this far, I appreciate you sticking with me and being patient. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to this. Um, I appreciate you listening listening through the ads that I got all in my, my podcast, too, because I might do it for fun, but if I can get paid to do it, well, I, that's, that's an added bonus for me. So you listening to those little skits and commercial recordings that I got and all that, that gets me paid. 
you know, so I appreciate that. Um, like always, go follow me on Instagram. You know where to catch me at. Um, if you don't, rewind it and listen to it again. Uh, I am thinking about starting a Facebook page back up too, just to promote this a little more. So stick around, stay tuned for that. Um, I might do that fairly soon. Um, shit, man, aside from that, let me get out of here. Let me get this shit posted. I got some clones to transplant. I got some CDs to check. And I got some rearranging to do. So I'm going to holler at y'all, man. Peace. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Big Cat. Um, today, right now, this isn't about growing. It is, but it's not. I'm not coming to you guys with a new entry for the show. Right now, I'm coming to you and I'm asking y'all for help. Y'all being my listeners, y'all being my friends, y'all being the people who can learn from what it is that I'm trying to give to y'all. All right. I don't know if you've seen my post in the recent days. But I was fortunate enough to come across an opportunity to be in a grow competition on Instagram. So in order for me to accomplish that, I need to expand my space. Now, those of you who have been following me for a little bit, you may notice that lately I've been talking about expanding my space. This This opportunity came at a time where... I'm right like right in the middle. I was designing my floor plan. And now that I realize I don't really have as much to do as what I thought, I realized that I might also be able to get away with asking for help and getting help from some of my followers. So that's what I'm doing right now. Um, I'm standing in a room that's probably eight by 10 feet. I have four windows. I have a ceiling fan. I have a closet door, which will probably be my drying space. And I have the door to enter the room itself. What I want to do is get some plywood and cover my windows so I can completely black the room out so that during the night, there is no light coming in from the street lights from my neighbor's house. None of that. That makes it so that I can effectively flower without running the risk of having her plants pop up because light stress, light leaks can cause plants to hermaphrodite. Um, We don't want that. So I'm going to black out my windows. In addition to blacking out my windows, I have some fans that uh, were purchased by my loving sister some years ago because I thought that when I first had my tents and LEDs that I would need them for airflow, circulation, and to cool the tents down. Turns out I did not. So I have them on standby. Those fans are going to be used for intake and exhaust. So in one of the window segments that I cover, I'm going to cut a hole and insert the one of my fans for intake. And the opposite side of the room, I am going to cut a hole and insert a fan for exhaust. That'll get me the airflow I need. In addition to that, I might have a few fans here and there, but the majority of the equipment I already have. I can't use the majority of the equipment right now because I don't have the space in my tents. So creating this this grow room would be beneficial because now all of the things that I have, I can put to good use. Um, I'm going to pull my ceiling fan out because as it stands right now, I would say the ceiling is, let me say, I'm about 6'3". 
if I stick my hand up to try to touch the ceiling, I probably got another six inches or so there. So I'm going to go out on the limb and say maybe an eight foot ceiling. And that, um, so recording. So that being said, I'm going to pull my ceiling fan out. That way I have more overhead space too to work with. Um, outside of my silly fan space and my windows being blacked out, there's not a whole lot that I have to do. Um, I have my pots. I have my dirt. Worst case scenario, I have four lights that I can use. But if I use the four lights I have now, I have to take them out of my tents, which means I can no longer use my tents. So I'm also looking to get some lights. What I will do is drop the stuff that I need in my Amazon cart and take a screenshot so you guys can see exactly how much it's going to cost. And then what I will do is upload a post after I upload this podcast. And that way you guys can see everything. Any questions that you'll have, you'll be able to ask me, inbox me, DM me. I'll make a point to get back to you. I'm working on the links. For some reason, all my hypertext is not working. So if you follow me on Instagram, you may have to find me on Facebook because Facebook seems to be the place where my links are working. But I'll make sure you guys get that information anyway, some way, shape, form or fashion, because if you want to help where there's a will, there's a way. Um, That's pretty much it. Like I said, the growth space doesn't need a lot. Oh, reflective. I knew there was one more thing. After I black out the windows and remove my ceiling fan, I'm going to wrap the walls. Um, and some reflective material so that when I hang my lights, I get good dispersion. I want it to bounce off the walls and hit the plants. Um, I haven't determined whether or not I was going to do the floor. Uh, it might seem like a waste, but when the light penetrates through the canopy, hits the floor, it's able to bounce off the floor and go back up to hit the underside of the plant. I may, I may not, but most definitely the walls will be done. The windows will be blacked out and my ceiling fan will be pulled to make the most of my grow space. That being said, I'm going to go ahead and shut this down. You know, this is a, a personal request coming from Big Cat. This is just step one of what it is that I'm really trying to accomplish for myself. Um, yeah, right now, it's all about me growing good medicinal marijuana. But long term, I don't want to just limit it to this. I do want to be able to branch out and start gardening as well, fruits and vegetables. Consider me using this as my way of solidifying my green thumb and finding a way to get the backing so that I can turn my backyard into a garden and maybe get some funding to turn that empty lot next door to me into a garden or that empty lot down the street because... If you live in Detroit, you know, it's not too many blocks you're going to drive down that you might not see an abandoned building, abandoned house, especially in the hood. I want to be able to take some of those empty lots, turn them into garden plots. That's long term. That's we, that's big picture further down the road. For right now, I just want to grow something that people can benefit from, use and get off prescription meds. You know, touchy subject, but I'm going to keep it 100 with you. I grow weed because I don't want y'all taking prescription medicine flat out. If you ain't got to, I don't want you to. And honestly, you don't have to because there's too many other natural ways to do this. But um, that's here nor there. If I keep going, I'm going to ramble. So I'm going to cut it short. 
this is what I need from you guys. If you're willing to help, I appreciate it. I'll make sure that all my links go on all my social medias and that you can find whatever way you prefer. I set up a GoFundMe and I also have a cash app. I will make sure all of that information gets out as well. In the meantime, the only thing that I ask is listen to the podcast, share the podcast, go on YouTube, check my videos out, share the videos, like, subscribe, tell your auntie, tell your cousin, tell your drunk uncle who'll be at the barbecues acting the fool when the music come on. I want everybody to know, man. But uh, I'm out, man. I got to get some pictures taken so y'all can see the space I'm working with and see what I'm trying to do. So peace out.